Alright lads, this podcast is a member of the Vices of Wrestling podcast and network. Visit vicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions and updates across the world of wrestling. Episode 3 of the Honor Roll, here as part of VoicesOfWrestling.com. I'm your host, Mark Robinson. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Lithium Project. Uh, I haven't quite set up a personal account for the Honor Roll yet, or an email address, but uh, in the near future, I hope to get those done. The dust has cleared, um, the landscape has somewhat settled, and we are now somewhat removed from the... G1 Supercard show, uh, which means that all of my friends have left me, and <laughs> uh, quite possibly the uh, majority of people that may have been possibly wanting to watch Ring of Honor in general have also uh, abandoned ship, um, given the feedback that I've seen uh, by and large to that show, or the Ring of Honor portion of that show anyway. So, uh, for the time being, uh, I will be running this ship on my own. Uh, if there's any need to try and get a special guest on, whether it be for uh, a big uh, show that it deems necessary that we have an additional guest, they will be here. But for the time being, you get to listen to me. Just me. So, for this week's show, uh, we're going to do a couple of things. We're going to talk about the most recent episode of television that aired a couple of nights ago. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the whole Enzo Cass situation, and uh, I'll also do a quick recap of the Masters of Crafts show that uh, aired last night, um, but I'll do a full review, a full rundown of that show next week once I've had time to actually watch it. So, to begin with... We'll talk a little bit more about the Enzo Cass deal, or the free agents, I believe they are going as, as there's been uh, more to listen to, more to kind of find out. Uh, you know, as mentioned last week, the uh, the show we did last week, the recap was about nine to ten hours removed from the actual show itself, so there were details that were pretty sketchy. Uh, the main things that we knew at the time was that this uh, was seemingly a, a worked shoot uh, type of invasion and that uh, Bully Ray was somewhat involved and upper Ring of Honor management as a whole uh, with a lot of the actual talent and possibly the the booking staff, or Delirious, um, not being for it. Uh, since then, I mean, all of that still is true. It seems that most of the talent 
I was not aware at the time when it's happened, including the Gorillas of Destiny, and uh, we'll kind of talk a little bit more about the fallout of that with them and the Briscoes. I've seen a number of takes since. Um, one of the more interesting ones was was Joe Lanza on the flagship this week, and he mentioned that hey, um, now I enjoyed that he strongly and heavily pre-emphasized how much he would not personally use them um, and is still expecting some people to hear only him saying, hey, Ring of Honor using them isn't the worst idea. He you know, strongly pointed out, I would not use them, and I agree with him. But he did point out that he believes there is a, a positive gain uh, to be seen with using more specifically Enzo than Cass, uh, and he puts this down largely to the somewhat surprising and somewhat depressing popularity of uh, Enzo, uh, who also is going by the the spelling of the name is lowercase n, uppercase z, lowercase o, uh, just to really kind of hit home this whole NWO style invasion angle that they're going for. Uh, he also pointed out as well, Joe, that you know Enzo has over a million. Uh, subscribers on or subscribers or followers on Instagram and you know he's a a popular guy I don't know if you can do um, you know draw parallels or draw circle diagrams around what the the connections or the 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 percentage of people that are following Enzo on Instagram uh, that are also wrestling fans I imagine there are some in there I don't know how many of them are particularly interested in actually watching him wrestle. Um, You know, a lot of that is going to be down to when they actually get around to using Enzo and Cass and then seeing at that time, you know, how that reflects in in the ratings Um, or, I don't know, uh, on a roll, uh, on a roll, uh, on a club subscribers or, you know, purchases on Fight TV for any matches they have upcoming. So, I don't think I necessarily agree with uh, Lanza's, um, I I would say, prediction. uh, But I do see the logic of where he's coming from. And I do see, if you apply that logic to, you know, upper management, hey, here's this guy who's really, really popular. Let's bring him in, and let's see if that correlates into subscribers, uh, viewers, buyers of pay-per-views. I don't think that will be the case. Uh, I I think that a large portion of his followers are more there for him as being equal parts of scumbag and equal parts of SoundCloud rapper. But it remains to be seen. Uh, And Big Cast, I mean, there isn't really much to to discuss on that side of things. Uh, Neither of them bring anything in terms of actual wrestling quality to the product. Uh, and then anything are certainly going to drag it down. And I also wonder if, um, you know, I mentioned that Ring of Honor had a, a certain like degree of goodwill coming out of the 17th anniversary show because that show was was a very good show, almost a, an overachieving show. And they could have carried that momentum into Madison Square Garden. 
And certainly, as mentioned last week, this was the by far the, the biggest audience they were performing in front of. And certainly, I would say, the most eyeballs that would have been watching their products um, in perhaps forever. So this was a chance for them to really make a claim for themselves and what their product is going forward. Um, for anyone who you know may have been disillusioned by the product or just fallen out for it for, for whatever reason. And they presented a worked invasion angle with Enzo and Cass. And uh, Enzo is very much a toxic product to a large number of people. And, uh, you know, regardless of how good the product is, just by simply having them there, like a lot of the hardcore wrestling fan base that could have carried on kept with the momentum and 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 kept watching the show on a somewhat weekly basis that has just gone now um and a lot of people i know that have uh, a following or a pretty known well known within uh, the wrestling media universe or could we just say my twitter bubble um have made it pretty clear that they have no desires to to watch the product going forward uh, and a significant portion of that is down to Enzo and Cass and some of it is just down to a lot of the wrestling and booking decisions weren't uh, anything that they were inclined to watch so it's going to be interesting to see if the sacrifice of that portion of the audience um, will be made up by people that are into Enzo and Cass but even if they are, I don't. I just don't see people sticking around for that long. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't see like people that are just into Enzo for being a SoundCloud rapper are going to continue to watch the Ring of Honor product. Um, but I guess we will see. So after that, the fallout from this was the Briscoes and the Gorillas of Destiny are now involved in a in a Twitter feud. Um, which is always the best way to build up a wrestling match in 2019. Wink, wink. But actually has to be said, um, instead of just dealing dealing with tweets going back and forth, we've actually just, we're getting promos that are just being posted on Twitter. And, uh, you know, the Briscoes, Jay Briscoe is, is a phenomenal promo. Uh, I, I don't think that can be debated. And Tamatonga has a, a charisma about him um, that he, not many people cut a promo the way he does you know he doesn't shout he's very just very chill very mellow um but he gets his point across and i i actually really enjoy uh tamatonga's presentation when it comes to cussing a promo uh so you know the gorillas of destiny were um pointing out that you know the the briscoes should be thankful that they got to be at madison square garden because it was originally meant to be a title for title match but the briscoes didn't even get to the G1 Supercard with the Ring of Honor titles. Um, and then the Jay Briscoe in his follow-up promo just went on off on one saying motherfucker about 25 times, uh, which was highly enjoyable. And, you know, as usual, uh, Jay brings that intensity across in his promos. And currently, even though uh, the, the formation of all of this was down to the whole Enzo and Cass situation... Uh, a lot of people are intrigued and, and hyped for a Briscoe's G.O.D. match and I hope that 
Ring of Honor, you know, keep this momentum up. And uh, I mean, a lot of this could just be between the two teams themselves. And I'm curious to see how they go about this, whether um, just the Ring of Honor titles are on the line, if this is done in Ring of Honor or in Japan. Um, because I can't imagine G.O.D. are going to be holding the Ring of Honor tag belts for that long. Uh, I don't think you know it's destined that we'll see them in Ring of Honor that much, though the, the War of the Worlds tour uh, is coming up. I can't remember the exact dates, but you know, I'd expect to see them back in Ring of Honor around that time, and I expect that is around the time that they could drop those belts, whether it be back to the Briscoes or, heaven forbid, uh, Enzo and Cass, though I'm just trying to imagine that match in my head and you know I'm just gonna just just move swiftly on from it so uh, last night as of the time of this recording though this show is going up today uh, Masters of the Craft took place and uh, I've not watched this show yet I'm gonna have watched it by the time we record next week so I'll have a full uh, comprehensive review of this show but taking the results from uh, 411 Mania, uh, having a look over, it looks like a couple of matches that I'll be definitely going out of my way to see. Uh, it was Bandido winning a four-corner survival match against Caristico, PJ Black, and Flip Gordon, uh, which was given four stars and went just a little under 15 minutes. And uh, that's, yeah, I mean, with those four guys involved, that seems like something that I want to watch. Uh, I'm also looking forward to seeing the Bandido uh, PJ Black match that will be on the television next week. So, yeah. So, I, I reckon that was pretty good. There was also a 30 minute Iron Man number one tag team contenders match with Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal, uh, a team that I think are actually pretty underrated. Uh, I've enjoyed their work over the last year or so. Uh, defeating Mark Haskins and Tracy Williams of Lifeblood. Uh, this got three and three quarters of a star. Uh, so, you know, just a little under four stars. So that seems like something that I'll want to go out of my way to see. Um, and the main event was the ROH six-man tag team titles uh, going up in a street fight as the champions champions of Villain Enterprises defeated the Kingdom in 16 minutes and 15 seconds. Uh, a comment I read on uh, one of the reviews from this show... Uh, was talking about the fact that if you look over the 17th anniversary of the G1 Supercard and this show as well, uh, all of the main events or you know the main event on the Ring of Honor side of things have all been some form of, of a street fight or something that just isn't a straight up uh, one-on-one um, pure singles wrestling match. And, you know, Ring of Honor over the years have had their hardcore blood feuds I mean you think back to friggin Colt Cabana and Homicide off the top of my head uh, in terms of uh, you know one of the more nastier violent feuds or you know the fact that you've had uh, two barbed wire massacre matches with um, Carino and Homicide or BJ Whitmer and Necro Butcher so you know it is Ring of Honor are there to put on a hardcore match or a hardcore feud even think of obviously Kevin Steen and, and El Generico um, so they don't always have to present something that is just uh, a straight up pure singles wrestling match but with that said I do see the, the the criticism that now this is three 
big events in a row where the main event has been um, some form of violent match. And I don't know how much of that is on the fingerprints of Billy Ray, which have been uh, noted over the last couple of weeks, and certainly with the events of the G1 Supercard, or the company as a whole trying to find ways to differentiate itself from uh, the other North American products, because you've got you know four soon to be four uh, products that are uh, televised um that you know if you think about WWE AEW Ring of Honor and Impact Wrestling as kind of the big four companies I guess at this point and I guess you could make arguments for some of the other companies some of the smaller uh, super indies but they're the four off the top of my head and these companies are going to have to find ways to make themselves feel different um and None of these companies are, you know, straight up going for the the hardcore approach. So if Ring of Honor think that they can take that style, not you know, not straight up the the ECW hardcore style of the the nineties, but if there's something there they can pitch onto um, that draws a fan because it's a different style to what the other products are, are presenting. It's not the worst theory, but it just it doesn't work, I guess, for Ring of Honor because they've always, you know, they're called Ring of Honor. The the presentation of what they are meant to be, um, the juxtaposition of that and the hardcore wrestling style, they kind of clash against each other. So um, I would always always like to see them return to that that what Ring of Honor is meant to be. I don't see it happening anytime soon, unfortunately. Um, but that's not to say that they don't offer... I mean, you think back to, to Taven and, and Lethal last month, again, the, the 17th anniversary show, you know, that hour-long Iron Man match. Though there was shenanigans, there was interference, there was table spots and whatever else, it was straight up, for the most part, just those two going out there for an hour and seeing who the best man was. So... I'm not going to um, completely write off this company as not being able to present that style, um, but I do see that you know the the marquee matches they're going out there to present between the uh, street fight match with the Briscoes and PCO and Brody King, the triple threat ladder match, and this six man tag title street fight. Um, but you know if they're entertaining as well, is is it that much of a crime? I'm I don't know. Uh, but as I said, we'll have a full review of that next week so moving on to this week's television show uh, we opened up with a promo from the Briscoes talking about the Crockett Cup 2019 and how they felt disrespected that they would need to qualify for the cup effectively and not automatically be into the tournament um, pretty simple but hey gives you a little bit more of an angle for the main event this evening so no problems with that our opening contest Shane Taylor against the Luchasaurus uh, now I've watched the Luchasaurus a couple of times, and he is a, you know, he's a physical specimen, and he certainly has a, a look about him that looks straight out of, um, you know, AAA or more definitely it feels like a, a Lucha Underground gimmick. And uh, Shane Taylor uh, coming off the back 
of a pretty good performance against uh, Jeff Cobb at the 17th anniversary. Um, and you know, just trying to continue on with that momentum. Uh, this match was n- not great. Uh, these two kind of wrestled like they're in slow motion. Uh, in particular, Luchasaurus, he's he's a weird one in that he's obviously, his whole thing is that he's a, a pretty tall and jacked guy, um, but he's trying to do lucha maneuvers and, and have more of a kind of aerial presence about him. And that's fine and all, except he does most of it in slow motion and it just looks a bit off, I guess. Um, and he also has a, a variety of kicks and strikes, uh, not unlike Alistair Black, except um, that one match where Alistair Black missed that kick on Lars Sullivan by about a mile. Uh, Luchasaurus does that about three times per match. So he may want to think about how effective that maneuver is um, or, you know, actually just getting a little bit in and being a little bit more snug with it. Uh, Shane Taylor would pick up the victory of a Fire Thunder driver and uh, I don't know, I don't know where to go with Shane Taylor uh, he was part of that six man brawl in Madison Square Garden he he doesn't have the the aura or the star presence that um, his former tag team partner whose name I can't remember, Keith Lee why couldn't I remember that he doesn't quite have the presence of the aura that Keith Lee has um, but he, you know, he's not terrible on the mic, and he can do some stuff in the ring. But um, he's not someone I expect to be seeing. I think he could do with a tag team partner. I, I think that's where he needs to be. He needs to be the heavy in either a stable or something. Um, and I didn't know if they were going to go further with him, Silas Young, and Bully Ray after the Madison Square Garden show. But we'll see. Though obviously, these th- this show was taped before that, so. Maybe they will. Uh, we had a recap of Jonathan Gresham and Silas Young from, uh, I think, the week prior, uh, where Young picked up the victory after getting a low blow on Gresham. So we saw Young backstage all bloodied and banged up and uh, talking about how Gresham couldn't beat him. And Gresham comes along and uh, they get into a scuffle because Gresham was like, hey, you can't beat me in a one-on-one setting. Uh, and Young was like, I just did. And then Gresham was like, yeah, but you can't do it without kicking me in the balls or giving me a low blow. So this feud must continue. Which, hey, it gives them something to do, and I'm all for uh, undercard feuds. And certainly for these two, because um, coming off of WrestleMania weekend, uh, Gresham really has shown that he is one of the more underutilized guys in wrestling. Uh, and I get that He is a pretty small guy, but he kind of reminds me... I mean, he has that Daniel Bryan or Austin Aries presence about him in that, yeah, he's small, but he fights big. um, And I never kind of think of his size. And certainly when you're in a company like Ring of Honor, where the, the, the average height of the wrestler isn't... You know, they're not all giants. It, it doesn't look quite as disparaging in, in the size difference. Uh, so I, I hope they do more of Gresham this year. I really do. Uh, we come back to ringside, and Tenille Dashwood is with uh, Rick Abani and Caprice Coleman at the commentary desk, and she has some great news. Uh, and it's not that she would be leaving the company shortly. Uh, it's actually that she is clear to wrestle, uh, which is great for whichever company picks her up. Uh, so, you know, again, one of those things where uh, the tapings are done so far in advance that 
the uh, unforeseen events of uh, Tennille leaving the company means this this was a little bit awkward um and I guess they could have overdubbed the commentary, maybe, but nah, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, she was on hand to do commentary for a Women of Honor tag match as Sumi Sakai and Mayu Iwatani took on the debuting Katie Forbes and Maserati. Uh, now, Katie Forbes and Maserati, um, they were trying to do a lot of shit in their entrance in what was... Uh, I could see they were kind of going for the old beautiful people type of entrance. They were trying to be very provocative and seductive. But it came more across as like the Jenna Maraska entrance that one time she had a match, match against Charmel uh, and just looked a bit um, low rent is the nicest way of putting it, I guess. Um, and Sumi Sakai and Mayu Rotani, I mean, they're both great. Um, uh, again, talking about people uh, who are underutilized, uh, I can see why maybe they wanted to put the belt on Kelly Klein because you know she's from North America. But uh, after that match and after watching these two in this match, it... <laughs> you're not know, the less said the better. Uh, Forbes and Maserati. Uh, the weird thing about this match is that it, it did get better the longer it went on, but it was pretty clunky. Uh, during the early parts, or should I say, it was pretty clunky any time either of these two were on a fence. Uh, as soon as either Sakai or Iwatani were in the ring, uh, the match picked up. The, the offense was a lot cleaner, a lot smoother. Uh, and Forbes and Maserati actually worked okay as being an effective base for these two. So I'm not saying that uh, all uh, hope is lost in these two, but there is room for refinement in terms of both of their uh, characters, their gimmicks, and the actual wrestling. Um, again, I could see they were definitely trying to do the a, a, a version of the beautiful people, but it just it, it came across as a little seedy, I guess, um, and not in a that we're in 2019 and we shouldn't be doing those kinds of gimmicks because uh, I think that you look at something like what Scarlet Bordeaux is doing in Impact Wrestling, and you know she's very much playing into. Um, her character and her presentation are being very over-sexualized, but it's being done in, in an empowering way. You know, she knows how beautiful she is, and and that was kind of what the beautiful people was to a degree as well. So you know, there's always a place in wrestling for that. Um, but I think Forbes and, and Maserati need to uh, iron the kinks out in their gimmick because it it didn't quite come across the same way. Uh, so uh, Sakai would pick up the victory for this team uh, I don't know what the plan is uh, I'm hoping that these two do stick around because the the Women of Honor roster is, is sorely lacking in talent and uh, you know I don't think the acquisition of Angelina well I and with Kelly, Kelly Klein as the champ I fear for this division is the nicest way that I'm going to put it we had a redemption, uh, a video package for PJ Black talking about his redemption and return and how he uh, was behaving in a particular way as a bad guy and how he kind of has seen what he was doing before and that wasn't the way forward. And, um, you know, hyping up his match uh, with Bandido, which is a match that I'm looking forward to. And certainly if um, they had that four corner survival match last week, which got uh, four stars, uh, I'm looking forward to this. And,. You know, PJ Black is a guy that uh, I think could have done more um, 
not saying specifically within WWE. Obviously, his uh, mic and promo skills were lacking, but, you know, he had a look. He has athleticism, and um, he could have been a, a workhorse type of wrestler. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this, and I'm looking forward to seeing that they've, you know, given him a little bit more of a character, and he seems a little bit more hungry. Um, you know, I've never heard him to be anything in terms of getting rave reviews for any of his work on the independent scene. Um, but... We'll see. We'll see if this is a, a, a turnaround for him. And then finally, our main event uh, to qualify for the Crockett Cup. Uh, Mark and Jay Briscoe took on the team of your NWA National Wrestling Champion. I think that's the belt. Willie Mack. And the now NWA... No, sorry. Uh, Ring of Honor Television Champion and IWGP Never Heavyweight Champion uh, Jeff Cobb got there in the end. Um... Jeff obviously was without the uh, never open weight title as uh, he didn't by the time this taping have that belt yet. Uh, but this match, this match was awesome. Uh, Briscoes are having a uh, sneaky underrated year. I've I've heard people say that they think that the Briscoes are kind of past being that great tag team, um, and it's you know it's at a point where usually you. You only stay in a place for so long before you go on to somewhere else. And we think about just about everyone who's moved on to uh, WWE, whether through the NXT system or whatever, or gone to Impact, or just going on to somewhere else. But the Briscoes, their home base is Ring of Honor. A lot of that could be due to certain comments that have been made by the Briscoes over the years that wouldn't be looked upon favorably um, by public relations. So I kind of get why they may just be sticking around with Ring of Honor. Um, But it's hard to keep them as an interesting act because, you know, when you've won the tag tag titles 10 times... um, What do you do after and after you've been heel and face and gone back and forth so many times? And I guess you could always put Jay Briscoe back in the heavyweight title scene. um, But, and Lord knows they need the, um, they need legit main event talent right now. But also, uh, you know, the amount of tag teams that they have that feel like actual tag teams that, um, have any credibility to them? They're also kind of limited with. So, yeah, they're they're in that that position. But they've been going out there, and as far as I'm concerned, they've been killing it this year. Uh, I really enjoyed. I mean, the street fight at the 17th anniversary was just fucking chaos, um, and I loved every second of it. Uh, I think that they, you know, the the. Madison Square Garden show, that match was a bit of a sprint, but I enjoyed that. And this here uh, was just a great showcase for Willie Mack and Jeff Cobb, but also a great showcase for the Briscoes. Um, And they work really well as being a couple of wrestlers that someone like Jeff Cobb can throw around. Uh, And Willie Mack was also more than happy to share uh, in the throwing of said Briscoes. And I'm also happy to see Willie Mack in this environment because he's someone that I've always enjoyed for years uh, from when I first saw him in PWG uh, and kill it in a match with Davy Richards. Uh, and I've always hoped that he would get more of a, a, I say mainstream, but relative to the context of professional wrestling, would get a little bit more of a, a mainstream showing. Uh, and, you know, we've seen him on Impact. He's in the NWA and holding one of their championships and he's 
being shown and utilised here in Ring of Honor, and I'm happy to see that. And he 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 hasn't lost a step as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and this was good, you know, just really uh, the Briscoes doing their usual thing of, of cutting one man off and that kind of classic NWA tag style of wrestling, but uh, with that modern twist that you'd expect the Briscoes to apply to tag team wrestling. Uh, and and Mac and Cobb, whenever they were on the offense or on the hot tag, just providing the sort of offense that those two can deliver, uh, and the athleticism that guys of their size really shouldn't be able to do, but can do, and unlike Luchasaurus, can do it with speed and conviction, and and looks legit, I guess. Um, but in the end, the Briscoes would pick pick up the win with the Doomsday Device on Willie Mac. Uh, so the Briscoes are into the Crockett Cup, uh, and at some point in the near future, I guess I'll talk about that and the brackets for that, and uh, and yeah, we can talk about that as well. So the TV show this week, I I give this uh, a thumbs up. Um, Taylor and Luchasaurus was there, um, nothing too spectacular. The tag match was good when uh, Sakai and Iwatani were on offense, um, but I guess the... The entrance of Forbes and Maserati needs to be seen, just for what the fuck they were trying to do. Uh, but the main event was really good, uh, and I would definitely give it a, re- a recommendation. Uh, three and three quarters of a star from, from me. So that is your honor roll episode number three. Uh, next week, we will see PJ Black versus Bandido, and we'll have a full review of Masters of the Craft. Uh, thank you very much for listening to my voice for the last half an hour. It is very much appreciated. As mentioned, you can find me on Twitter at Lithium Project. Uh, this is your uh, weekly on a roll. Uh, we'll be back next Monday for more of this good stuff. And uh, if you're only listening to this show because you have no desire to watch the product now after everything that happened with the G1 Supercard, I... Uh, <laughs> I understand why, Um, and so even if I can use this platform to uh, let you guys know when, you know, there's at least one match that might be worth watching every now and again, if I can deliver that service, I'm happy to do that. Uh, So I would definitely give a recommendation to watch Briscoes and Willie Mack and Jeff Cobb. So uh, thanks for listening, and I will see you again next time.